0: I am uh, very grateful to God, very humbled, especially in light of this morning's communion service that we've just celebrated. Set there and just really focused and So grateful to be a Christian. So grateful to know the love of God. Over the the years, there have been a vast number of songs that have been written in the secular world across a vast number of musical genres that have stressed just how far a person will go for love. Just how far someone will go for the one they love. I'm sure we're all aware of songs with lines like how I would climb the highest mountain and I would swim the deepest sea or maybe some of you will remember the old Tanya Tucker song about I'll walk a thousand about walking a thousand miles through the burning sand. All of those sorts of loving sentiments. Songs like to me one of the most beautiful love songs that was ever written or recorded was Sarah Evans' No Place That Far. Absolutely beautiful song, in my opinion. As I think about those phrases, the, the natural question that should flow out of that kind of thought process, especially for the Christian, I would think is this. If a person would walk or run or swim or climb that far, If they would exhaust that kind of an all-out effort, whatever it might be, to have a human love, a far less than perfect but faulty human love, then how far exactly would one go for God and with God by and on their trust and faith in him and him alone and his perfect love. Ever thought about that? How far would a person go for the love of God? How far, as a matter of fact, the title of this morning's sermon is, just how far will you go for Jesus? Well, we start asking about how far one would go by and on their their faith and trust in God and his perfect and all-consuming love, the Bible gives us answers. Turn to me, if you would, this morning to Hebrews chapter 11. And we will see one answer to that question. By the way, if you are visiting with us, we are very glad to have you this morning. I want to tell you, while uh, folks are turning in their Bibles, if you <clears throat> did not get a visitor's packet, please make sure you get one on the way out, and please make sure you fill out a visitor's card so we can send you a letter of thank you for having been here this morning. We appreciate very much your being here. I would also say, make sure you please turn in your Bibles to whatever reference that I've asked you to turn to so that you can see this is God's word and not Doug's word. Doug's word doesn't mean anything. God's word means everything. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2 say, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. We get down a little ways further in Hebrews 11, and we would note in verse 6 what faith also <coughs> brings us. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God, must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews chapter 11 then goes on to give a whole list of faithful people who were willing to go a very long distance indeed for God. In fact, the list includes those who were willing to go all the way, no matter what it took, despite the cost or consequences, in order to be with the Lord that they love so much. Those who were willing to go as far as it took to give God the ultimate gift that God had asked for, and that is that we love him enough to trust him. One that I'd like to point out first this morning is Abraham. Oh, the tempestuous trip that Abraham was willing to take all the way. Well, Abraham was willing to go all the way for God. And if you would begin with me in thinking about that, I want to go back, because he walked probably most assuredly through the burning sand, as it were. To be with God, I want for us to go back first and, and look at the actual story, and then we'll come back here. So, if you want to kind of stick a, your finger or something here in Hebrews 11, we'll come back, but I want you to go back to Genesis 11. From Hebrews 11 back to Genesis 11. I want to take a look again at the actual trip that he took on foot and by faith, how far he went for the Lord he loved. Genesis chapter 11. We're going to begin in verse 31. We're going to read down through some of these verses into chapter 12. And Terah took his son Abram, who will later be called Abraham, and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife. And they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran and dwelt there. So the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So. Abraham departed. You notice that? God told him to go. He went. We're going to see how far he went. Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. What I want you to understand is this phase of his taking off and seeing how far he'll go for God, he's no spring chicken. I realize they lived a little longer in those days, but he wasn't a teenager here, okay? Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions they had gathered, and the people from the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Moriah. And the Canaanites were then in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. There he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. He moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. Now there was a famine in the land, verse 10, and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there. For the famine was severe in the land. So from beginning to end, this journey, according to one resource that I looked up from the very, very beginning to the end, was around 2,000 miles, 2,000 miles. A journey of some 2,000 miles away from his (coughs) homeland, a journey on foot with his flocks, with his family, a journey into hostile territory through a land of famine, and all with no complaining. (laughs) All with no complaining, on into into Egypt. Well, you don't see Abram complaining anywhere here. Why? Abram was apparently willing to walk or travel or run or swim or climb through or over whatever it took in order to be faithful to and finally with the Lord that he so loved. Which brings us back to Hebrews 11, if you would, please. We would notice verse 8 and following. Hebrews 11:8. 8, the Hebrew writer recounting the story of Abraham's life. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. He just went because God told him to go. Verse 9, by faith, he dwelt in the land of promise in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited, here it comes, he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He was willing to go as far as he went because he wanted to be with God. By faith, as we move on, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Then it goes on to say this, verses 13 through 16. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them. Embrace them and confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. In other words, they're looking for a homeland. Not not the homeland they left. That isn't what they're talking about. That's the point of the Hebrew writer. They're looking to be at home with God. But now, he says in verse 16, they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their god, for he has prepared a city for them. How far was Abraham willing to go for God? As far as God told him to, period. Through what? was Abraham willing to go for God? Whatever God required of him. Period. Well, okay, but how far was that going to get Abraham with God? All the way to God's side. Period. Because, as we read in Hebrews eleven six. 6, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But as we consider the story of Abraham, the story of Abraham and how far he was willing to go for God does not stop there. Because, you see, it wasn't just about how far he was willing to walk on foot for God, but about how far he was willing to go and walk by faith in God. Tells us in Hebrews 11, verse 17, about again, not just how far he was willing to walk on foot, but how far he was willing to walk by faith. Verse 17 of Hebrews 11, by faith Abraham, when he was tested, notice even Abraham was tested, as we will be tested, he offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said in Isaac, your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense." Turn back with me again to Genesis 22 this time. I want us to see that actual story that the Hebrew writer is recounting for us. And I want you to notice some things from the original account of its happening back here in Genesis chapter 22. Here's Abraham, been told by God that he's going to be the father of many nations, he's no man. Sarah's old. God gives her the ability to conceive. They have this son, the son of promise, through whom all of the, the world is supposed to be blessed, is going to be blessed according to God. And, and so one day, God tells Abraham, he said, I want you to take your boy out and sacrifice him to me. That couldn't have made any sense to Abraham. It doesn't compute. If God says, through your son, all the nations are going to be blessed and all these descendants, and then you have the son, and then God says, kill him. While it may not compute here, while it may not make sense, by faith, I want you to watch what Abraham did. How far was he willing to go by faith in God? Genesis 22, verse 1. It came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. There's that word again. And if Abraham could be tested, so are we. He said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Then God said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. And Abraham said, God, you've got to be kidding. No, that's not what the text says, is it? Do you ever have something coming up that you dreaded? Might be the surgery that, that, that doctors have told you you may not survive, just just this terrible thing coming up that you dreaded with all your strength. And you get up to that morning and you dragged your feet. And you cried out, maybe, why me, Lord? Why do I have to get? That's not what we see with Abraham. See, Abraham was willing to go all the way by faith. When he's told to offer his only son, I want you to see what he did. Verse 3, Abraham rose early in the morning. He didn't drag his feet. He didn't sleep in. He didn't say, man, i got to put this off. I'm not going to get planned. He got up early. And he saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac, his son. He split the wood for the burnt offering. Keep in mind, he's even less of a spring chicken now. And he rose and went to the place which God told him. He gets up early in the morning, goes out and he chops the wood. He says, OK, it's what God told me to do. No kicking, no screaming, no complaining, no hesitating. Goes out, chops the wood, takes a couple of servants, takes the son, and heads the mountain. To sacrifice the one thing he loved and treasured most, he arose early, prepared earnestly, and he walked forth diligently on a three-day journey at the end of which he fully expected to sacrifice his son. What would you do if God asked you to make a three-day journey on foot? How far will you go for Jesus? What would you do if God told you to do something like this (coughs) by faith and walk that far by faith? Not just on foot but by faith. How far? We go for Jesus. There's others that we could examine and see the same thing in their lives in Hebrews chapter 11. I'll give you a very quick synopsis. But you've got others like Joseph and Moses, both of whom went a long way, a fur piece, a far, far piece for God. They not only walked a far distance for God, they walked by faith in God. For example, Joseph walked to Egypt as a common slave, through Potiphar's house with integrity, through false charges with honesty, through unjust imprisonment faithfully, and out and onto his own throne eventually. Moses, in Hebrews 11:23 23 through 29, walked away from the treasures of Egypt, walked or ran (laughs) to a land not his own. He walked back to face Pharaoh upon God's commandment to him to do so. And then he even walked through the wilderness 40 years with the stubborn and rebellious people of God that made him so angry at one point, he reacted in such a way that he didn't get to enter the promised land himself. And Moses walked all of that way, on foot and by faith, in order to be with the God that he so loved. And I would just add that we really don't have any idea how many miles, how far. through how many miles and trials and tests of their love and obedience that both Jesus and his apostles actually traveled and trekked through in their love for God in their lifetimes. We know John tells us that if all the things that Jesus had done were written, the books wouldn't be able to contain them. We only have a a very small glimmer of the things that that Jesus did. We have no idea how many miles he walked. We have no no idea How many trials both he and the disciples actually went through and they walked by faith? How far will you go for Jesus? Question for us How many mountains would you climb? How many miles would you walk? How many rivers would you cross? How many seas would you swim for Christ? How far would you go for Jesus, the Lord that you love? Would you travel 40 miles to Tulsa to see a struggling saint in the hospital if you knew that you could get in? Would you travel 50 or 100 or 150 miles to go to a lectureship, a gospel meeting, or or some other special event or assembly of the church so that you could be encouraged and edified, so that you could be uplifted as well as encouraging, edifying, and uplifting others as you all grow together in your faith and love for the Lord? Would you go that far? for Jesus? Would you travel 5 or 10 or or 15 miles, or maybe more, to go see a brother or sister privately about a problem between you? Would you travel 5 or 10 or 15 miles to Bible study and worship services, even with gas prices that continue to keep climbing? you know it seems that sometimes some saints forget that sunday evening is still part of the lord's day how far would you be willing to go in order to be with the lord that you so love how far are you willing to go by faith are you willing to give him the first fruits of your finances even if it hurts? Are you willing to submit and surrender every area of your life to his service? You know, we had up on the slides here a little while ago uh, that the elders had passed out a sheet and it's got all of these different ways of service. I want to really tie that into that lesson, this, this lesson this morning, and say this. Some of you brothers in Christ, I know it's uncomfortable to do certain things. I understand that. And I know there's certain things that certain brothers cannot do. I understand that. We all have our own gifts, talents, abilities. I get that. I really do. But I really want you to think about this morning, how far would you go for Jesus as you look down through that slot? If you've never given a devotional, would you go far enough as as to try it? If you've never led prayer or been on the prayer list, would you go that far for Jesus? Would you stand up and lead prayer for the church? I want you to really about that how far will you go for jesus are you willing to submit and surrender every area of your life to his service how far will you go are you willing to encourage this is a big one are you willing to encourage and do everything in your power to instill in your children, your grandchildren, and your great-grandchildren at every opportunity and with everything you've got the absolute truth that the most important thing that they can ever become on this planet is a faithful child of the living God. How much time do we spend training our children having them in school and extracurricular activities, having them graduate, maybe go to college, and they spend all of this time prepping for things of this world. There is nothing in this world that your child, grandchild, great grandchild or more can do. There is nothing more important, there is nothing more powerful that you can train them and prepare them to be than a faithful and humble child of the living God in his service for the rest of their life, nothing. Are you willing to go that far for Jesus? How far? Are you, like Abraham, willing to sacrifice what means the most to you in this world, if God's word asked you to? Are you, like Joseph, willing to do the right thing, even when nobody's watching? That's a big one today. Are you, like Moses, willing to walk away from worldly fame and fortune if not doing so would mean that you were betraying and abandoning the people of God? Would you, like Jesus, be willing to go so far as to offer and pray for full forgiveness for those who would be... Rate you and betray you and lie about and persecute and seek to crucify you. Would you go that far for Jesus? How far are you and I willing to go for him? You know what the answer to the question is? All the way. How do we get to the point that we understand that? We get to the point that we understand that the answer to the question is all the way, when we understand just how far he was willing to come for us. That's the key. And and this morning, when Joel got up here at the table and he talked about focus and how Jesus' focus was on us, so our focus should be on him. This is is the same thing. We should be willing to go all the way for Jesus because Jesus was willing to go all the way for us. Philippians chapter 2. Turn there with me, please. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 5. Very, very familiar passage, but but it tells us just how far Jesus was willing to go for us as we talk about how far are we willing to go for him. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 7. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, But, verse 7 of Philippians 2, made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Oh, the great gulf that Jesus was willing to come across for you and I. He was equal with God. He had the glories of heaven, and he was willing to go so far as to surrender up the glories of heaven, equality with God, empty himself, come out of the glory, come out of heaven, come to this earth. That's how far he was willing to come or go from heaven to come for us and to face all that he did. And it's not only about how far was Jesus willing to come for us, but how far he was willing to go once he got here. Verse 8, Philippians 2, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Jesus was willing to go all the way, all the way up the Via Della Rosa, the way of suffering, for us, to the cross, through everything he went through on the cross. You know why he did that? You know why he was willing to go that far for us? So that we would have the opportunity to go all the way for, and to him. That's why. It's really that simple. He wanted us to be able to walk with him, to go that far with him, to go to the grave with him, to go to heaven to be with him forever. And the only way that that was going to happen was for him to go all the way for us. (coughs) Excuse me. There was no place too far. There was no pain too painful. There was no price too costly for Jesus to go for us. And so there should be no place too far or too painful for us to go for him. So where does Jesus want us to go? Where is it today? He doesn't leave us to he doesn't ask us to leave Ur of the Chaldeans. He doesn't ask us to go to Egypt. Doesn't ask us to go back and face Pharaoh. What does he ask us to do? Where does he ask us to go for him? In Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, he told his disciples just before he ascended back to heaven, and he tells us by extension, (coughs) go therefore, it's very simple, starts the verse, go. Go therefore. Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things that I commanded you. That's where God said, I want you to go that far for me. Mark 16, 15 and 16, Mark's rendition of it. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. How far? Young people, you're not excluded from this. If you're a Christian, if you're 15 and you're a Christian, you're no more excluded from this than the Christian who's 50 or 80. How far are you willing to go in that direction for Jesus? How far are you willing to walk by faith in him in that direction? Are you willing to walk across the street or down the street in your neighborhood to go tell the neighbor that you've known for years about the Lord that they don't know at all? Are you willing to roll up your sleeves, skip lunch, walk down the hall, and tell your coworker about Jesus Christ? Are you willing to go so far? As to drive to a fallen away or falling away members home, pull into the drive, walk up to the front door, knock and go in, and tell them how much Jesus loves and misses them, and so do you. Are you willing to walk by faith and invite a friend to sit down and study the Bible with you? Sometimes you say, well, I just don't know enough. I, I've known Christians that, that have sat in Bible classes for decades, I just don't know enough. Well, when are you going to know enough? Do you know what Jesus did for you? Then you know enough. The reason these are all such vital questions is because the answer to them will not only help to determine where souls will spend their eternity, but also where and even if this congregation at Shoto Hills will even be here a year from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now or beyond. Let me explain. But but before I do, let me encourage you. If you haven't read the bulletin article that you either got by email or there's paper copies out here, I encourage you to go home and do that this afternoon. Now let me explain what I just said. Let me say it again. The answer, the the reason the answer to the question, how far are you willing to go for Jesus, is so important when it comes to evangelism and all those questions I asked you a moment ago is because that has a lot to do with if this congregation at Shoto Hills will even be here years down the road. Raise your hand if you know what this building is. If you've seen it, you your traveled. OK. If you leave here, and you go across 412, and you go into Tulsa, and you go through Tulsa, and you go to the other side, and come to the toll booth over there in Hallett on 412. and You get off at Hallett, and you go down 99 South, you're going to come to two little towns, Jennings and Oylton, Oklahoma both of which had congregations of the Church of Christ some years ago. Found an old website, listed both of them. This building is the Church of Christ building, as it sat 10 years ago when that picture was taken. and hasn't changed a lot. It's on the east side of Highway 99 as you go south through Jennings. In fact, I was told some years ago that Wayne Deffenbaugh, who many of you know, was actually preaching at the Church of Christ in Jennings when he was hired by the Cleveland congregation in the late 60s. This picture taken approximately 10 years ago, again, is, is of the old Church of Christ building there on the east side of Main Street in Jennings. This past Wednesday, in preparing for this sermon, I called. Both the city hall in uh, Jennings and Oylton, trying to find out if they knew anybody that knew anything about the churches of Christ that existed there in the latter part of this past century, and uh, talked to one old timer in the Jennings town hall. City hall was there, and they said, there's, "There's a guy sitting here that's been around forever. He could maybe answer your questions." And so. I asked him a few questions and he didn't have a lot of real solid answers but he said I think the Church of Christ building, the one that they used to have down in Oilton, is that one that sits down there with the roof falling in on it. I don't know which one it is, but I thought either way, what a tragedy. I don't believe there is an active Church of Christ in either one of those towns today. If so, the lady at the Oilton City Hall, she didn't know of one. She said, we have four churches in town. They are all man-made denominations. But as I thought about this, this building, I, I thought I looked at the front steps, and I thought, I wonder how many young Christians, hopeful Christians, people with their kids, walked up those stairs. I wonder if out there in the back part of the building maybe they ever had a fellowship dinner or one on the lawn before this all grew up around the building. I I wonder how many hopes and prayers and dreams for the future were at one time or another experienced in that building. Doesn't matter, both of those congregations are gone pretty much without a trace, except for buildings that look like this apparently. I know of a congregation a number of years ago, not either one of those two, but a congregation a number of years ago that, was, that had 90 people in attendance average, 90 people. And after one Sunday sermon stressing the essential need for personal evangelism by every member of the congregation, there was a comment reportedly made by one of the members to the effect of, We're doing just fine the way we are. The last I knew, that congregation that numbered 90, was down to about 35 or 40, didn't have any teenagers left, and it sold their parsonage. Those are not real good indicators for a vital and flourishing future, brethren. The time to do personal evangelism is today. Time to do personal evangelism is when the congregation has the young people and the older people and the resources to go out and do it. Not tomorrow when it's too late. When a congregation drops down to 20 people, or 25, or 10, and they're mostly silver-haired or bald and folks like me, that's not the time to get out and try to do the evangelism that you should have done a decade ago. The time to do evangelism is right now. Personal, one-on-one, every day, everyone, face-to-face, or social media at least, friendship evangelism. Now is the time. Shining your light, showing your love, and sharing the Lord, period. The only way evangelism works, it's not always by inviting people to church, but but in the first century, we saw that the people sit down and had one-on-one discussions with people, and they studied the Bible, and they talked about the Lord, they talked about what the Bible said, and, and that's the effective way to reach people. How far will you go for Jesus? There's so many things that so many people need to know that are in the Bible that they just don't know. How many, let me ask you something, how many millions of people do you think got up this morning and went to an Easter service thinking that somehow that was biblical? It's not. How many people? I mean, isn't it, what not it awesome communion this morning? Once a year, the Lord gave us his fe- feast to celebrate his death, burial, and resurrection. Isn't that awesome? That empowers me through the week. Does it, you? Does me? And he gave us that every week. And it wasn't meant to be a, a once a year celebration of, of his resurrection. We do that every first day of the week, Acts 20 and verse 7. And that's what the Bible says. And that's the way God designed it. And, but, but people need to know that. How many people do you know in this world who believe that we're saved by faith only? When the Bible says in James two twenty-four, therefore you see a man is not justified by faith only. How many people that we love need to know because they, 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 they don't know what the Bible says, but they believe that, that they're going to heaven and they have maybe never even opened the Bible. And brethren, we've got to reach them with the gospel. How far will you go for Jesus? The Apostle Paul was willing to go so far as to be taken prisoner, to be taken to Rome, and to be taken there in chains. That's how far he was willing to go in order to preach the gospel to Nero and his household, the result of which was souls saved, Philippians. Chapter 4, verses 21 through 23. The members of Caesar's household, the brethren in Caesar's household. That's how far Paul was willing to go, and God rewarded that faith. How far will you go for Jesus? Because how far you will go for Jesus today depends on how far this congregation will go in this community 5, 10, 15, 25, 50 years from today. Whether this property in 50 years will still be home to a thriving congregation of first slash 21st century biblical Christians or this piece of property will be another playground, another parking lot, or perhaps some low-income or new housing development like we have down the street. I I wonder and what a tragedy this would be after all the great Christians and preachers and, and, and elders and deacons and, and everything that this congregation has had and, and so, much, so much history and faithfulness and solidity and, and, and all of those things. I, I, I wonder if 50 years from now, some other preacher, some other part of Oklahoma might possibly call the Shoto Town Hall to inquire about a Church of Christ congregation that used to meet there, but simply vanished away into thin air without a trace. Some say, you got it all wrong, Doug, that could never happen here. Really? Don't you suppose some of the folks in Jennings and Oilton probably thought the same thing 50 years ago? You read Brotherhood websites and congregations of the Lord's Church are disappearing, they're closing their doors. And one of the reasons why is because we ain't taking the gospel to the lost. How far will you go for Jesus? Will you take your gospel, take the gospel of Christ to your family, your friends, your neighbors, your classmates and co-workers one on one? Will you talk to them? about Jesus and what he's done for you and how much they need him because there is no better life on this planet than life as a Christian because there is no greater love in this world than the love that Jesus had for them and he came that far for them will you go that far for him? the answer to that question begins this morning how far will you go for Jesus? If you have never been baptized specifically for the forgiveness of your sins as Scripture demands, Acts 2.38, uh, Acts 22.16, 1 Peter 3.21, there's a whole bunch of Scriptures, and if that idea is new to you, we'd love to study with you, but just looking at what the Bible says... How far will you go for Jesus right now? If you've never been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, will you in a moment when we sing this invitation song, are you willing to step out the, the, the 10, the 15, the 50, the 60 feet and walk down the center of that aisle and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins? Are you willing to go that far for Jesus? Give him your life and let him cleanse your sins? If you've already done that but you've never had the strength, and, and you hear these sermons you go, man, I, I know I need to do that, and I know I want to do that, and but I just don't have the strength. Will you, right now, Step out of that same pew, walk that same 12 to 50 to 60 feet. Will you go that far for Jesus and come down here and get the prayers of the church, the the righteous prayers, the effective prayers of a righteous man, as it says in James, to give you the kind of strength and courage that you need. Will you walk that 50 feet and go that far by faith in order that you can go further by faith when you leave this building and be strengthened to take the gospel to others? How far will you go for Jesus, especially when you remember how far he came for you so that you could go with him? If you have a need, we come to the front as we stand and sing?